Jesus Christ. Cool little letter. Uh, This letter is to this man, Philemon, who's a brother in the faith, uh, about this guy named Onesimus. Now, Onesimus is a runaway slave that has run away from Philemon, found his way to where Paul is at, has heard the gospel preached from Paul, and has become a believer. Uh, And he is sold out for Christ. Now, Paul's in prison, and and, and Onesimus is right there with him, um, but something's wrong. You know, he has done this wrong by running away, and Paul is returning him back with this letter to his former master, to Philemon, saying, listen, if he's wronged you in any way, charge it my, my account. There was a time where this guy, he wasn't useful to you, but listen, he is useful now. He is, he, he is my son in the face. So Paul is loving this guy. He said, listen, if anything, I would love to keep him here with me, but because it's the right thing to do, I'm sending him back to you. Doing the right thing isn't always easy. Doing the right thing isn't always easy. Sometimes we have in our mind that, or we've, been hurt, or we've heard and we've been taught that once you become a follower of, of Christ, once you uh, call yourself a Christian, a few things are supposed to happen. And one of the things that happens is, well, life just gets easier. Life just, you, you give your, your heart to God, and man, everything is just going to get so much easier. All these things are going to happen. Everything is just going to get better. But the reality is, Christianity comes at a very, very high cost. A very high cost. And um, the whole idea that all your troubles will go away is just not biblical. Uh, Ask Onesimus. You know, he's returning back to the very place that he ran away from. The very place that he spent years just thinking, I've got to get away from this place. Man, now I'm a follower of Christ. Where is he heading? Back to the very place that he didn't want to be. Look throughout the Bible. Look at all of these stories of... uh, as a matter of fact, look at Paul. How does he start off this letter? Paul, I am what? In prison. For what? For preaching the gospel. How crazy is that? Not Paul, I'm in prison because I've murdered someone or I've robbed or, or done all of these things. No. Why am I in prison? For preaching the gospel. For the sake of Christ. It comes at a high cost. You look at all the lies. You look at, look at Daniel and Joseph and Job and, and all of these guys in the Bible. It comes at a very high cost. Now, there's another kind of aspect of coming to Christianity that some people think is that, well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll come to Christ and just because I want to be a good person. Uh, I want to be a good and moral person and kind of give back to uh, either my community or uh, my family and in some ways, uh, the cause of Christianity will help me just kind of be good. Um, that is an illusion. That is not what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, if we were to look at all of these men in the Bible, their relationship with God, and as they get closer and closer to God, as a matter of fact, we see the very opposite taking place. We see that they come encounter with the Lord, and there is a reaction unlike what we would think would happen. Uh, Take, for instance, probably the best example is Job. Job 
starts off with a story of here's this man, and he, he's a good man, and he, he does all these things. He gives offerings to God. He's, he, he's praying for his children. He, he, he's a good, good guy. Um, but all of this bad stuff happens to him. And so Job has these questions for God. Well, God, why is this happening? All of these things. And he's directing these questions toward God, towards God. And in the book of Job, chapter 38, God responds. And I, the very first words is this. Who is this that questions me with words without knowledge? Now brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I formed the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I, I set its pillars and, 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 and all of these things? And, and God goes over this list of questions for Job for the next few chapters. Who, and I love Job's response. Job's response is this, and I put my hand over my mouth because I've uttered words that I knew not of. And then he says this, I've heard of you, but now I've seen you with my own eye. And in doing so, I repent and bring on the sackcloth and the ashes. This is a man that's gone through more pain and suffering and loss than anyone. And he's saying, this moment now with God and seeing God, wow, I'm unworthy. Just, wow. We look at the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, there's this moment where Isaiah has this vision of the Lord. And he sees this, he says, I, I saw the Lord in, in the year that the king Uzziah died. And, and his, his, his robe, his train, it filled the temple. And he begins to describe all this beauty of seeing God. And then he says this, woe is me, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among unclean people. He's basically saying, at any moment, there's this realization of, wow, God's righteousness and God's holiness Isaiah, God's just God, Job. All of my questions, God's questions. We look in the book of Revelations and, and we see John. And John has this moment with, where, where he sees Christ. And it says this, he says, and I fell down in chapter 1 and verse 17, and I fell down on my face as though I was dead. Now, there was this song probably a few years back you might be familiar with. It was, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it will be like whenever I see God face to face. Will I, will I dance before him? Listen, you don't have to imagine. You're going to be on your face. You're not, it's going to be God. <laughs> me. Me. Wait. We can't get low enough. Let's crack open the foundation. Me. God. Wow. And so the idea and the concept that I could just come to Jesus and be, well, a good person, it's an illusion. Just like the idea of you coming to Christ and, well, everything's going to become easier. See, that's the beautiful thing about salvation. When we come into the salvation work of God, we enter into everything that he has done for us. And so when, while you are saved, you are deemed holy and pure before God, not because of any of your own works, but because of everything he does. And so God looks at you and says, you are holy and good and righteous. But it's his work in us. 
It's not our works. Because when we look at what we've done and everything that we are, woe is me. And I'm a, a filthy guy with filthy lips, and I live among filthy people, just like Isaiah said. And there's this reality. And see, there's also a truth that as we do follow Christ, in, in the sense that life does get easier, it does. Because now God is with us. See, now I could stand beside David as he writes in the psalm and says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And see, what he's saying there is, listen, it's not that I've come to Christ and life is so much easier. I'm still going through all of these hard things. There's still a valley of the shadow of death that I'll have to walk through. The difference is Christ is with me now. Christ is fighting my battles for me. Christ has made a way. God is good. So in that sense, oh yeah, it's a whole lot easier. Because you don't have to do it on your own anymore. God has made a way. And in the sense of of being good, it's now that the, the spirit of God is awakened inside of me. Whereas once... I was just living for myself. Now God is working and and it's becoming alive in me. And any good in me is just the reflection of him. And so in that sense, yeah, I am becoming good. But it's his work. It's reflecting of him. Coming to Christ isn't an easy thing. It won't just instantly make you good. It It won't make life into being easy. Onesimus knows this. And the reality is Christ is requiring this thing of him, that he's a runaway slave, and now he has to return back, returning back to the very place that he doesn't want to be. And the reality is this is true for all of us. When we become followers of Jesus, there will be things that God will ask of us that we don't necessarily want to do. I tell you right now, Onesimus did not want to go back to this guy. He didn't want to go back to this place, but In those times, with the way that the rules and the laws and the regulations were set up, this was the right thing to do. He had to do the right thing no matter what the cost. And this is what Christ required him. And Christ will require from each of us the exact same thing. What is Christ requiring of you? Is there a place that he's telling you to go that, man, you're doing everything you can to run away from it? You're kind of like Jonah, and I'm getting on a ship, and I'm sailing the opposite way of where God is sending me because I don't want to do that because I, I have memories of that or I have a past there or for whatever reason it is, and God's saying, sorry, you don't really get a choice in this matter. Once I must have this encounter with God, and God's sending him back. And here's the thing. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we get very frustrated with God. Well, God, I just, I just, I don't understand certain things. And then kind of like Job, we're going through different things and we have all of these questions. And then it's just, well, God, why aren't you speaking? See, for Job, it was, man, all of these things have happened. I don't understand. And, and there's these questions to God. And, and we've all had those moments where, God, why? What is happening here? Why are, why are you telling me to do this? Or why are these things happening to me? Um, there's frustration, there's anger at God, and God doesn't deter from his original plan in the sense of this. When God's told you to do something, he won't move on until the next thing 
until you've done that one thing. You can't, there's no skips. There's no, oh, that's okay. Oh, it's all right, you didn't do that. No, there's no getting to point C until you've gone through point B. You can't get to the next thing until you've gone through the first thing. And and we do not like this because we love shortcuts. Man, we want the GPS. No, 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 give me the shorter way. Come on, everything in life, let's make it quick. Fast through McDonald's, Come on, whatever it takes, we want the shortcut. I, whatever, let's be honest, who doesn't? But God says, listen, there is no shortcut. So we read this Bible and, and we look at the ch- children of Israel and, and they've had this commandment to go and take the promised land and, and they're trying to do everything they can to say, God, no, we don't want to do that. And God lets them just take laps around this mountain for years and years. Well, God, what about this? Why is life so hard out here in the desert? There's a promised land waiting for you, but you've got to take it. What is God speaking to you that maybe you don't want to hear? And when this happens, we can kind of give God every excuse in the book. Uh, Or we just try to, uh, for example, the other day, you know, we're sitting down to have dinner, and we're in the living room, and there's the little TV tray, and my daughter, Kobe, is three years old, uh, actually three years old this week. And um, she's eating her food, and... Of course, she'd, hey, it would be fun to throw my food as well. So she begins to throw a food. Daughter, you can't do that. Do not throw your food, which, of course, I'm going to still throw my food. So she does it, and so she gets a timeout. And timeout is you have to sit on the, the steps that go up to the, um, the bedroom. So you have to sit on that step. You can't move. That's timeout. And she just throws a fit. Wah, 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 wah. Just on and on and on. And just do whatever you need to do, but don't throw your food, and you're going to have to eat your food. This goes on and on, and finally we say, are you ready? You know, you get up, and she gets up, and, and then we say, well, you've got to pick up your food now, and she doesn't want to do that. And she just whines on and on and on, and no matter what, she, and then she tries to distract us. Oh, well, let's just play toys over here. Uh, no, no, no. I haven't forgotten. We're not going, going to toy time until you've picked up the rice that you've thrown all over the floor, which the dog's eating it by this time, so she's kind of in the clear but she's trying to do everything she can to make dad and mom forget that uh, I'm not going to do this thing. That it's not going to happen. And, and there's this kind of secret in school. I remember actually, you know, being a kid, if you were to take certain tests and exams, it would be called padding and answer. And padding and answer is this. If, if, if the professor or uh, your teacher, whoever, has, has a question that you have no clue what's going on, you just make up a bunch of junk and you just make your answer so long that the, the teacher thinks that you know what you're talking about. It's called padding the answer. And you'd be surprised at how often you'll get it right because uh, the teacher just doesn't want to read it. And, uh, and we try to do this with God, though. We try to pad our answers. God tells us to do something, and we do everything we can to say, well, then blah, 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 blah. And I have a video that sometimes I think God has this response to us when we try to do that. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> what you just said That's a... 
is one of the most insanely idiotic yeah. things. He'll repeat it, you know. But, uh, and then if you haven't seen that movie, then Adam's saying, well, a simple no, it's advice, simple wrong. But, but, you know, we try that. We try to just kind of like talk our way out of something. We try to say, well, God, these are the reasons why, Jonah, these are the reasons why you don't want to send me to Nineveh. Uh, I, I can just see once in a, man, but I'm doing so much good over here. Why do I have to go back? And we can't get to the next thing until we've gone through the first thing. And there's no shortcuts in Christianity. And here's what I've learned. That those that are faithful with little will be faithful with much. And if you're not faithful with what God's given you now, and the little things that he's told you to do now, you're never going to accomplish those big dreams that you have in your heart. If you can't clean the toilets, you can't preach in this church. same thing is true for each one of you in, in, in your jobs and, and what you do in, in life. You have to be faithful with the little. You want to know? That's why almost, almost all, not all, but almost all lottery winners go broke. Because they haven't been faithful with the little. And so whenever they're given much, it's gone. And see, sometimes we just want to complain because, well, God's only given me this. And God's just saying, well, I want to see what you're going to do with that. You want all this. So you want to go and you want to be a missionary to Africa and you want to do all these things, but you won't go next door and tell your neighbor. You've got to be faithful with a little. There's no shortcuts. If you want to get to point C, you've got to get through point B. Because there's two wars going on. There's a war going on in your flesh, and everything that, that you want to do. And, uh, and then there's a war going on with the enemy. And he's doing everything he can to keep you down and to attack you. Now, with Onesimus, I could just imagine this war that he's having with the flesh. He, he's got to go back to this place that he's once ran away from. And the question I would have is, what if Onesimus didn't return? What if he didn't return? Well, I think if he didn't return, he would have never been able to move forward. He would have been stuck right there. And for the rest of his life, God would have been saying, go back. Because there's no shortcuts. And he would have done a lot of trips around the mountain, just like the children of Israel do. Just like we do all the time. When we try to pad our answers or we try to do everything we can to kind of forget that thing that God's told us to do. Because we got something else in mind. And here's the thing. The spiritual things that are happening, they are even more real than the physical things that are happening. See, we can look at our circumstances and the things that are happening in our life and what's going on, but the reality is what's happening in the physical is even more real than the things that we see right now. For example, um, this, is, this is nothing against anybody that smokes cigarettes or anything like that. Don't get offended. But proven fact, you smoke a cigarette, it's going to mess up your lungs, okay? That's just... And you make that decision of, hey, I'm going to smoke these cigarettes. I am therefore going to mess up my lungs. Same thing spiritually. When we have disobedience to God, there are consequences for our actions. 
I mean, Jonah finds himself in this boat that's, and he's getting thrown in, and a whale, I mean, come on. But there's consequences for our actions. But the thing is, it's not always like Jonah. A lot of times it's more like that cigarette, where there's little things in our life that just kind of erode at us. And all of a sudden, we realize one day, wow, uh, all of these things are happening. And, and it feels like it just happened in a moment, but the reality, it was a lifetime of disobedience to what God has said. And we just, and then we kind of point the finger at God again. Well, we're mad. Well, well, well why? Why do, why, are, why do I have cancer in my lungs? Well, you've smoked cigarettes for 30 years. Or, or and same thing spiritually. Well, well, God, why isn't that you're not speaking to me? Why is it that all these things are happening? Well, because we're in disobedience. He told us to do something, and we're doing the complete opposite. I mean, again, this isn't condemnation or anything. I'm just saying this is the fact of how the system works. You do the wrong thing, you pay consequences. Just like everything else, just like my daughter with throwing the rice, she's going to pay some consequences. She's going to get some time out, some stuff of these things going to happen. And we think spiritually that we're just kind of exempt. We think that we could kind of do these things and life will just kind of be okay. That is not the reality. You've got to do the right thing no matter what. Um, this last week, uh, you know, we had the, the big barbecue and it was just fun. And, and Gary and Jill had offered to make the sweet tea. And I realized after saying, yes, that would be great, that these guys aren't from the South. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I told them, I said, I, you know, we got together and I said, listen, guys, there's a few things in the South that you just don't mess with. And I don't know if y'all could do this sweet tea. And uh, it's like, do you, I mean, I could take care of it. I, I just don't want you to be on the outs with the church. I mean, church could get over this thing. You know, if you show up to a party with unsweet tea, I ain't, I ain't protecting you. I don't even know you. And so, you know, Gary has this idea of, well, this, this is what we'll do. And it, it's genius. He says, well, this is what we'll do. We'll, we'll make some tea, but we'll also go buy some Bojangles. So that way we're in the clear. I'm like, that's, that's thinking. That's, that, that's genius. You, see, you've you got, you got to be obedient no matter what. Because we ain't having no sweet tea. See, I had a light in the room there. It, it was just getting too heavy. You got to be obedient. There, yeah, there could still be a little on the out. The stuff that you made might not be quite to par. So we'll give you another chance next year, but that might be the last chance. So I'm just joking. Hey, let's be real. Southerners in their sweet tea, you just don't, you know. The doctors told me that could have been one of the things that caused my kidney stone. But light cigarettes, you know. Hey, I'm still drinking my sweet tea. So there's no, there's no condemnation for you guys. Listen, I ain't stopping my sweet tea. If it costs me another stone, y'all better blast it with some radiation or something. But anyway, so there's a war in the flesh that's happening, and sweet tea is winning. And um, choices and consequences. I, I choose to drink sweet tea, and reality is I might get another stone for it. No, no. But there's this war, and there's this frustration with God, and, well, why God? And honestly, we need to take a moment and say, was well, it just because of my disobedience? Because I'm doing things that I know that I shouldn't be doing, and God, I just need to repent. And God's with open arms saying, it's okay. Come home. 
it's okay, you're forgiven. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. gone. It doesn't matter how many times you've, you've gone against. He's saying, come home. I love you. No, no condemnation. Come, just come home. But you still got to do the right thing. And for once in this, he was taking this journey back. So there's this reality that sometimes with our relationship with God, it's because we can get in, a, in disobedience and it, and it seems like we can't hear the voice of God. But there's another aspect of this too. And there's the aspect that life can be getting really hard just because you are doing what God's told you to do. Because you are on plan. The enemy is now attacking you. I can't tell you how many times I've had these conversations where people where they'll, they'll say, well, listen, Lucas, I'm, uh, I've come to Christ, and now I'm reading my Bible, and I'm doing these things, but life has just gotten so hard. Or, or Lucas, Lucas I, I started tithing, and, and now it's like my finances are getting worse. And I'm like, yep. Or, or you know, I, I'm praying now, but now it seems like my marriage is hurting. Yep. Because the enemy doesn't want any of these things to happen. The enemy doesn't want you tithing and and praying and serving and reading your Bible. And it is a war that's going on. And so, yep, I understand. Nobody said it was going to be easy, especially Jesus. Like, in this world, there's going to be some persecution. And and some things are changing. The the Spirit of God is awakening inside of you. And yes, there's going to be some hard things that you've got to go through. And the fact that all these things are happening isn't because of your disobedience and it isn't because you're doing the wrong thing. It's because you're doing exactly what God has told you to do. And don't give up. Paul starts this letter off. I am a prisoner for the sake of the gospel. Well, does that mean that he was, Paul was in some way disobedient? No. It was because he was on track with what God had told him to do that landed him in prison. See, some of you guys are wondering just why, why is life taking this turn? And because you're doing the right thing, because you're following hard after God, and the enemy is doing everything he can to attack you. Once of us was going back, and here's the beautiful thing about this story, is it leaves us somewhat hanging. It leaves us incomplete. Because we don't know how the story ends. Did Philemon take him back and say, hey, everything's good, come on in, brother? Or did he say, was there some consequences? Did he have to pay a high price? We, we have no clue. Eh, the same thing is true for each one of us in our lives. Maybe you've done some things and God is sending to you to a place where you need to repent or ask for some forgiveness. And there's no easy life is instantly going to get better. There might be some things that you have to go through to make some certain things right. It's, it's different for all of us. But here's, in closing, I mean, here's the beautiful thing about this story. Is, is Paul says the, this, this quote here in verse 11. Once of us hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to us both. Why is this important? Because the name Onesimus, its meaning, it means useful. It means useful. And here's what I kind of get from that. From the very beginning of his life, God had given him this name that you are going to be useful. 
that there is something that he's put inside of each one of us that is of use. And maybe you have been living as unuseful, but God's work in you has made you useful. God is doing something in your life that is regenerating everything that he had intended for you from the very beginning. See, there's been words spoken over you that you're just, you're just, you're just sorry white trash. You're just, you're not going to be made for anything. You're, you're dumb. You're, you're, you're useless. And God's saying, no, you are useful. God's doing something inside of your life. Saying, listen, for the kingdom, for life. And it's no longer about just this road that's going to instantly kind of make us good or make things get easier. But it's about following Jesus and, and for his glory and for the sake of to stand in his presence and say, God, thank you. Thank you that in me, I can't do any of this. But because of you, because of your work on the cross, Lord, you've made me useful. And though I have to walk through some valleys, Lord God, you are right there with me. Following Christ isn't this kind of magical potion where things get instantly better. Listening to him, as a matter of fact, will send you into hostile territory. It will put the enemy on guard, and there's going to be some things that will happen in your life that are going to be painful. And you're going to have to fight for those things. You're going to have to, I mean, it's a fight to read your Bible every day. Because we live in a world that so wants to distract us with busyness. Well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. No, I've got to do this. I've got to spend just, uh, and I've found for myself is, for so long there was this kind of, condemnation uh, where my certain disciplines didn't line up with other Christians' disciplines. Because um, it was very hard for me to, to pray and, and read the Bible every day and do, do certain things that are normal Christian disciplines. And I would always kind of compare myself to others. I can't just lock myself away in a room and pray for an hour. Not going to happen. Um, I'm just ADD to the max. I'll, I'll end up cleaning the room or something. You know, five minutes into it, and I'll organize my closet or something. Just, that's just the way my brain works. But what I have found for me is I can get in the car, and I can pray all day long. I could turn off the radio, and I could pray the whole time I'm driving, if it's six hours or if it's five minutes. And it's awesome. And, and I found the same thing, too, when I go surfing by myself. Sometimes I just go by myself, and I can just get out there, and, and I can pray. It's just me and God and his creation and I find that that works for me. And the same thing with, with reading my Bible. I find that I take my Bible, and if I put it on my pillow at night, that for me, I, I have a hard time in the mornings, but I can really read my Bible at night. And if it's laying on my pillow, that means it's a remembrance that, hey, I've got to read my Bible before I go to sleep. And that works for me. So we've got to find our things that work for us. It's not this kind of cookie-cutter way, because the reality is you are in a battle. And life is going to get busy. And there's going to be plenty of excuses not to pray and not to tithe and not to serve and not to rest. And not, let me say that again, and not to rest. The world wants to keep you busy. And God's saying, stop. 
As a matter of fact, later on next year when we get to the book of Leviticus, we're going to look at all of these feasts and all of these commandments of God. And, and time after time, you know what God was commanding his people to do? Stop. This is the commandment that I, I the Lord, have given to you. Stop. I don't want you to do anything for the next seven days. As a matter of fact, all I want you to do is party. Yeah. Where was that growing up? Come on. It's in there. Some of us have to learn to just rest. You don't have to go, go, go all the time. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we've just opened up your word and, uh, and looked at this, uh, just a small portion of this life of once in us that's, he's doing the right thing. He's, he's lived a hard life. He's ran away, and, but he's found the gospel, and he's doing everything he can, everything he can to make things right. Lord, I want to pray for that person in here that's, that knows what you've told them to do and is running away. They know what they need to do, and they, they, they've just tried to pad their answer, and they've just, we've, we've just been taking trips around the mountain. Lord, I pray for your strength and your mercy to do what it is that you've told us to do because we're not alone. You're with us no matter what the outcome. Lord God, we're just say here this morning that we're tired of going around this mountain. We're tired of following these same patterns in, in life where we, we see them. We see the patterns in our life. Lord, help us to break free from that. Only you can do it. Your strength and your mercy. Lord God, I pray for the other person in this room that has just been going through some really, really difficult times. And they're going through these times not because of disobedience, Lord, but because they're doing exactly what you've told them to do. And the enemy has attacked them. They've attacked physically, with inside their relationships, with inside the workplaces, every, every area imaginable. Lord God, they're just kind of going through it. And Lord, again, I just pray for your strength pray for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I stand on your word that says, he who started a good work will see it through to the very end. That we are useful. We are useful. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be